0: Noon Hour is here. Check it out. And you're locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. This is, this is, this is. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
1: 90 the KSL Sports Zone. Happy trade deadline, everybody. The trades are coming in fast and furious. Whether it's the Jazz or whether it's former Jazz players, everybody seems to be involved with some level of connection to the Jazz. We're live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray, 4528 South State Street. We got some gear. We got some candy. We got all kinds of goodies to come by and hang out with us. And we'll, uh, we're going to have ourselves a day. So let's go. Let's get after it. How you doing, bud?
2: Man, I'm just grateful to you. I don't know how you do it, but it's like you, <clears throat> you sense you sense what, <clears throat> what I'm dealing with, and you, you see my needs. You call me, you say, hey, could you use a sandwich? And I'm in a little bit of a hustle because I've been sitting there watching these trades and yep. trying to put together some thoughts and jot down notes and directions I wanted to go for the show today. And I was, I was like, yeah, I could really use a sandwich. And here we've got a sandwich, dressed up perfectly, extra mayo, some fresh bread. I got you. And I am juiced and ready to talk about what we're watching take place right now.
1: Well, there's a lot to uh, wrap our arms around, and so uh, with that, let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Starting the lineup begins right now. Ninety-seven-five, the EKSL Sports Zone.
0: This is Hanson Scotty G up is set and it's time to kick off the show with the biggest topic of the day this is the starting lineup on 97.5 the ksl sports song
1: all right we got players on the move we've heard over and over again that kelly olenik was most likely going to be the jazz traded and that is in fact the case kelly olenik on his way to toronto uh ochai abaji is the jazz give up on the former lottery pick Uh, And he will be on his way to Toronto. Otto Porter, uh, Kyrie Lewis Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick all on their way to Utah. So there you go. It'll be, by the way, that first-round pick, the least favorable of the Oklahoma City, Los Angeles Clippers, and Houston Rockets.
2: There's so much to discuss here, Scotty. So many things, so many different angles that I was sitting there thinking about this morning. And I think I want to start with this because the overall feel that I'm getting from most Jazz fans, I think there's some that probably are in alignment and understand some of the things that are happening. But for the most part, there's a lot of confusion. There's quite a bit of disagreement. Yes. Um and it, it is very clear that the Jazz are getting worse with every trade as far as this season. On the court this season, they're getting worse, and I think a lot of people saw whatever it was, winning 12 of 14, and everybody just watched the two wins against Oklahoma City and Philly, and everybody was kind of excited about four-quarter play, and they're, they're watching Keontae, and, and Kelly Linick was a part of that, and Ogbaji was a, a part of that. And so I understand what people are seeing and what they're thinking, and I want people – I want to help people understand what's happening. And in order to understand what's happening, you got to go back to 2003, 2004, when the Boston Celtics engaged Danny Ainge as a full-time GM with that team. Now, he had come in in the 2002-2003 season, but he engaged in 2003 and 2004. And I was going back and looking at that roster. They had nothing. Yep. Ricky Davis, Brandon Hunter, Mike James. They had Lever Fence. They had Walter McCarty, Chris Mim. The only real piece that they had on that team at the time was Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. That was it. Now, after that season, so going into 2004-2005, Paul Pierce started to get really unsettled, started to make some comments, started to drop some hints that he's expecting more and wants more. Danny Ainge continues to draft through the 2006-2007 season, and he gets himself to the 2007-2008 season, and Scotty, we all know what happened in that season. There were trades for Ray Allen. There were trades for Kevin Garnett. They were able to build the roster and, and it went from that roster that I just told you to Ray Allen, Eddie House, Kendrick Perkins, Paul Pierce, Scott Pollard, uh Rajon Rondo, Brian Scalbreen. What Breen, was he the was he was he was a three point shooter mostly, was he? Uh
1: big man. He could stretch the court a little he bit. He could stretch a little yep, bit. A little bit. And, uh, and Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. I forgot about him. Sam <laughs> Cassell
2: was on that team. Yeah. So. <laughs> Lloyd. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is so immature. So. The, the other crazy part that people need to understand about Danny Ainge when he got the nickname Trader Ainge. As soon as he was done with this group, I think it was, what, 2013? Yep. That he moved them all to Brooklyn. Yeah,
1: he got a sweetheart deal and moved them to Brooklyn. Got
2: a sweetheart deal. He moved uh, – I, man, I – Pierce was part of it. I know Pierce was part of it. and, and Garnett was part of it. Garnett was part of it. And I want to say Terry, Jason Terry was a part of uh,
1: it? I can't remember, but I know those the big two were in it.
2: Uh, so he, he moves them. He gets, I want to say, four – three or four first round draft picks and four or five pieces back and then reshapes the future of where Boston would be where they currently are and where they have been for the last few years, yeah. which is a, a dominant force. So, so that's one thing I wanted to do. Just to help people understand he, he took over full-time 2003, 2004, and it took him four seasons To get him to that point where he had the assets, he had the gumption, he had the faith and the backing, and then he made the moves. Okay, secondly, what I would like to ask all Jazz fans to do right now is just recognize what you've got in draft picks on this team currently. Because outside of Victor Weminyama, I would say that Keontae George has been a second or maybe third most impressive piece out of what was projected as one of the biggest drafts in the last 10 years of NBA draft. Yeah. And I went through and I was just looking at some of the numbers in comparison. And we talked about the Thompson brothers, Amen and Osir. We talked about Anthony black. We've talked a lot about case and Wallace and jet Howard, all guys taken before Keontae George. I know that Taylor Hendricks checked in at number nine, but the other point we got to look at a couple of things. So, as he's acquiring draft picks, I think that he's got an idea of what he wants to do in the draft. Whether he moves those pieces for free agency or not, I think he has really good draft understanding, good draft vision. I think we're now going to see Taylor Hendricks move in, get a lot more minutes, so we're going to see what that draft pick and that piece is all about. And I sit back and I just watch the whole thing take place, really.
1: Yeah, and... And we might talk to Ben a little bit later on the show if he's available uh, during the Jazz Preview Show. I do think that there's a certain element you look at, and I thought Ben said it beautifully. And I was, I was looking at things this morning when I saw these trades coming in. And I'm like, and and part of me was because I'd referenced this in terms of Will Hardy. Will Hardy's coached now essentially four different teams. Yeah. You know, he had his team last year that was had some veterans with Beasley and and Conley and some of those guys. Those guys get moved out, and then there's the youth movement. Uh, at the end of last year. And then this year, you've got a different team. And then you spin those pieces off for parts in Olenek and Abaji and Fontecchio and who knows what else is going to happen but in the next hour or so. And, so. and so now this team gets reshaped. And I'm thinking, wow, that's got to be rough on Will Hardy to try to really adapt on the fly and try to win games. And Ben, when he was uh, in a conversation with David Locke earlier today, I thought he made a really good point. And essentially, if you look at the script this year, it is very, very similar to last year, if not ideal. The Jazz had veterans that they propped up, that they showcased last year, Beasley, Vanderbilt, Conley, and then they were able to flip them for assets. Mm -hmm. This year, you had veterans um, in Olenek. You developed guys like... Uh, you know, Abaje didn't develop the way you would have liked, but at least he was available and had some level of desire from Toronto to want to be have him part of the trade. And then Fontecchio, who was a borderline NBA player, and you're able to flip him for a high second-round pick. So you developed, you showcased, and then you created assets. I mean, it's like flipping houses, right? You buy low on a house, you go in, you do a gut job, you tear it up, you take it down to the studs you build it back up and then all of a sudden you're able to flip it and hopefully make a few uh uh, a few bucks along the way that's what the jazz are doing right now in building the assets now the question is jazz fans are like look i'm going to games i want to support this team i'm ready to support a winner and i do think the jazz ultimately want to get into the playoffs at least the playing tournament this year but this is building towards something big like, there is gonna be a moment, and I remember that draft night back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I can't, I, I can't remember which year it was that you are referencing, but I am down with Pace Mannion. David James is with us, and we're doing our draft night special. And I remember Boston being like, "Hey, oh, my gosh, they just got Kevin Carnett. Oh my gosh, they just got Ray Allen." Yep. And we're like, "Okay, Boston's a player now. Big time. Bo- Boston's in in it to win it. There is gonna be a moment here, folks. Like, I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna look like." But Danny Ainge is going to push those chips in. It may take this summer. It might be two summers from now. I don't know when it's going to happen. It was four years with Boston. But it's going to happen. It was actually five because Danny Ainge
2: came in in an observation period with Boston, just like he did with the Jazz. Danny Ainge was hired by the Jazz December 20-something, 2021, and has had observation time and took some time just to – look at the big picture before he really engaged and it was really apparent that Danny Ainge wants to be in the draft he he wants to have draft assets and he wants if he wants to make a pick on draft day he wants to be able to do that yep if he wants to move those drafts he wants to be able to do that that is very apparent and we've watched him now move back into the 2024 draft and I I know you know the other complaint I keep picking up is Oh, man, it's the 2024 draft. It's projected as one of the worst drafts in, in the last 10 years. And I, I know 23 was projected as one of the best, and 24 doesn't have those same projections. That doesn't mean that there aren't some hidden gems. Oh, yeah. Even on the other side of the pond that you're looking at and projecting with.
1: I mean, what did you get Keontae George at? Was he 16? He was 16. 16. All right. Keontae George is one of the, you know, two or three best players in that draft right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the tops in assists. Uh he's one of the tops in points. He's one of the tops in minutes production. He is
1: absolutely yeah, so, a gym out of number sixteen. So I don't look, I don't care where they're at in the draft. I don't care where they get selected in the draft. Uh the ultimate thing is you've got ammunition to get who you want in the draft. And the Jazz are boy, they are they are stockpiling like crazy, man. It is This is a war chest in which Danny Ainge is going to be like a mad scientist. Now, again, it's tough to say be patient, be patient, be patient. But it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know when. I don't know how. But there's going to be a moment where you're a Jazz fan, and you're going to fire up Twitter, and you will be like, oh, oh, okay. Here we go. Now, is it tough right now? Sure, because you're a worse team today. You are. You were a worse team yesterday when Fontecchio got traded. You're a worse team today. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how it is, and sometimes that happens. uh Is it going to be? Are you going to be hard pressed to make the playoffs? Yes, you're definitely going to not be a top six seed in the playoffs. You, you know, best case scenario at this point with 30 games to go is you're a you're a playing team. All right. Well, that that's a nice step for this team. That'd be meaningful minutes for Keontae George to play in a NCAA tournament like Phil one and done situation. That's good experience for these guys, but. At the end of the day, this is all building towards something that's either going to happen this summer, the next summer, or trade deadlines down the line. Um, it's tough for me to hop in here and say trust the process because I'm a little bummed out. I kind of liked how this team was shaping yeah. up. I like watching Olenek. I loved watching Fontecchio. Um, I hate the fact that the Jazz had to punt on Obaje. We, we knew what the end result of this team was going to be, but we liked it. Yeah. So if you know what you're dealing with, and now, now Taylor Hendricks – Look, Taylor Hendricks was going to have to be a meaningful minutes guy next season. Well, you get a jump start on that right now. Instead of waiting until fall of next year, now Taylor Hendricks is going to be a guy that's going to play probably 15 to 18 minutes a game for the Mm -hmm. next 30 games. Yeah. All right, let's see how he handles it.
2: You know, I think that there's some other observations that are going on from Danny Ainge and this front office staff from ownership on down. And... You think about the coaching staff that was there with Boston when they made the move and you you had Doc Rivers in that moment, the guy that could you know get to the ears of these players, manage those players, develop some of the younger guys, and get this team really functioning quickly because they had a small window to function with the group uh, that they put together. I've got to imagine that Danny Ainge and Ryan Smith and everybody, they're sitting back like, okay, when we do pull the trigger, let's make sure that we've got the right director. Let's make sure that we've got the right assistants. Let's make sure that, you know, when we finally assemble this army and we're headed to the front lines, that we've got the generals that we can trust. Because you do have to have those pieces. It doesn't, like, you could... Grab some pieces and throw them together. And if you don't have the right guy to organize and manage the, the personalities and the egos and, and then develop some of the draft choices that you've got to bring up because you've only got so much cap that you can spend. And you, you have to hit with timing on draft picks mm-hmm. where they're affordable. You've got affordable draft picks. You infuse that with high-level free agencies, and you meld those together with some development and some great coaching management to bring them to a championship level. And I really don't think Danny Ainge has a lot of interest in just getting to a play-in. No, 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 no. I don't think he has a lot of interest in, you know, uh, well, you know, if we just get to that, man, if we get that first round of the playoffs and make a, a a couple extra million dollars with ticket sales and maybe push it to six or even a game seven, well, that would be a win for us. Th- that's not a win for me. And that's not what I expected from Danny Ainge when he was hired. And that's not what I expected from Ryan Smith when he bought. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing is more a representation of what I expected from those guys when they bought it and when they made the hires, which which to me, it's exciting. There is a part of me that was like, yeah, let's see what this Jazz team could do. They're definitely going to get to a play-in tournament. They'll, they'll get at least one more postseason game. Let's see what happens. But why do that? Why bang your head against a wall for an extra game when – you could possibly make some big moves that influences your entire roster here in 2 years.
1: Yeah. The uh, I go back to uh, our conversation with Ryan Smith. I think it was at the uh, UFC press conference where we were talking about his just crazy desire to bring a championship to Salt Lake City. I mean, that, that was guy, it. That,
2: that was at The uh, UFC.
1: That man. guy wants it so badly. And and look, he's also ulti- He's the ultimate fan. Like he's the ultimate Jazz fan. He's like, you know, if uh, if you as a diehard Jazz fan somehow won some crazy lottery and you became a multi-billionaire and you were able to buy uh, buy the Jazz, that's you're Ryan Smith. Like Ryan Smith is a fan first and a business owner second of the Jazz. So he wants to win. And he said, and this is a line that's always stuck out to me, and I've referenced it a bunch of times, where he said, we're willing to go through a lot of pain to bring a championship here to Salt Lake City. And I, the more I think about it, the more I think that maybe he picked up that line from Danny Ainge. Because when he brought Danny Ainge in, and I'm sure he's like, hey, Danny, I want you to run this thing. Uh, Justin's going to be your right-hand man. He can do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, this is going to be your baby. This is going to be your, the face of this thing. Let's get it going. And I'm sure Danny looked at the roster and looked at everything and said, okay, you know what? I, I can do this for you. I can get you in a position where we'll challenge for a championship. But you're going to need to know a few things. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some time. We're going to have to part with some faces that you're good friends with, like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and, you know, Mike Conley. And it's, this is not going to be easy, and it's not going to be fun at first. And I'm sure Danny, you know, look, Danny didn't need to come and take this job. Like, he didn't need it. He doesn't need the money, doesn't need the attention. But you know what? Ryan Smith is awfully persuasive, and I'm sure that there was a conversation where he said, hey, look, okay, I'll do this for you. I'm done in Boston. My time there is run its course. I'll come do this. But you need to know, as a fan, that also, by the way, happens to own the team, this is going to be a little... There are going to be some hiccups along the way. I mean, there's going to be some hard decisions. There's going to be some things that aren't going to be fun. And today, for a jazz fan, it's not fun. Like, this isn't a fun day for you. Now, if you look big picture and you look at the potential, it could be fun. But right now, you're looking at, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? This, you know we're not going to be in the plan blah blah blah. like you can say those things and that's perfectly fine you can be upset with the short-term loss today and also be excited about the long-term future for the jazz both things can very much be true and i think for the most part jazz fans get it i think they understand that this is all about the long game it's still again it's painful though i get it
2: man it is it's painful it is it's it's hard to watch especially because i've I've got some thoughts on Ochai Bhaji that I'm going to express probably a little bit later in the show. And maybe some thoughts on Kelly Lenick, too. But I can't help but try to think of what Ryan Smith is and and who Ryan Smith is. And, And I think you've got to get to the basement of that to understand where and what he wants to do with this Jazz team. And if I'm him, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the most recent sample size of the Golden State Warriors and Joe Lacob and that ownership group and what they did back in 2013, 2014, moving into the 2015 season. And Bob Myers was great and doing his thing. And you remember Mark Jackson is clicking along, and he's got that roster, and he made the the now-famous comment, it's the best backcourt shooting combo in the history of the NBA.
1: And everybody rolled their eyes. And
2: and everybody rolled their eyes, and and we all kind of chuckled. And the very next year, he hires Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr goes 67-15 and with a roster that included Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, uh, Clay Thompson, Leandro Barbosa, and the, the rest is history. And if if you're Ryan Smith and you're this new Jazz owner, and you're looking at where Golden State is now worth money-wise, what they're worth, what they've done in that span, the championships, you have to look at that and say, all right, how many big boy decisions had to be made? How many people had to get their feelings hurt? How many people had to be fired, cut, traded, moved? How many things had to happen for them to own a dynasty? Are we in this for a short term, maybe a, a play-in, or maybe a first-round exit in the playoffs? Or are, are we in this to try to build something? Yeah. Now, I know that John Stockton and Karl Malone, they never brought home the ultimate gold, the ultimate trophy. But they were in that mix for a long time, and that's when he was growing up. That's the jazz that he remembers. And it's not this, "Mm, fingers crossed that we finish in the 10th seed, and then you get to play the 7th seed, and and then if you win that and you win one more, it's just not his world. And everything we're seeing right now is an indicator. That's not his world. It's not his interest. It's not Danny Ainge's world or his interest. These guys are looking at Lakeup. You know, they're looking at Myers. They're looking at what Steve Kerr has done. They're looking at what Golden State did. They're looking at Popovich. They're looking at San Antonio, where a lot of these guys have some of their ultimate influence from. How long they made that run and and how much money they made. Yep. Because nobody wants to be a Donald Sterling, spineless wimp
1: that never makes a push that always plays it safe. Always just happy to take the check and not worried about results on the court.
2: Yeah, it, Ryan yep. Smith does not want that as a legacy. No,
1: no, no. I know. look. Ryan wa- Ryan wants to be the owner that brings a championship to the Jazz. You talk about legacy. You bring you you own an NBA team that brings an NBA title to Salt Lake City. That's a legacy right there. That's a legacy. To be able to get up on the stand with. Uh, the commissioner and grab the trophy and say some words that's a legacy that's it right there and
2: that's the way owners get known yep the reason we know mark cuban is he went and got himself a championship now he's a vocal person but he went and got himself a championship in the middle of one of those (laughs) of one of those dynasties you know that's why we know some of these owners names now there's some like Ballmer and others that are theatrical and overly emotional and buffoons buffoons yeah but the the ones that i i really respect are the ones that made the push had to make the hard business decisions fired a lot of dudes cut a lot of dudes moved a lot of dudes but ended up with a roster that landed big oh and by the way it doesn't matter what they do it's all a big risk it's oh, all yeah. a big gamble yep. we could be here in 10 years shaking our head like what just happened yeah oh yeah what was that or we could be well, here in 10 years saying up oh, scotty that was that was quite the train yeah
1: i mean look i i remember i was in i had some meetings radio meetings over at the zbbc when i hear yelling down the hallways and it was the old ownership group and the old management group that were screaming and yelling because they went all in on mike conley and that was it. That was the final piece. That's what they needed. Well, guess what? They swung and it didn't work. Yeah, missed, and they missed. And you know, COVID had a little bit to do with it, and and but, him getting acc- yep. acclimatized. That yep, I mean, had a little to do with it. And so, look, you know, you go all in, and then that closed the window for that Jazz team. Yeah, they, yeah. That's they used their assets. Then the assets were gone. And then you had to and then you had to max
2: contracts. You had yep, to, you had to pay out max contracts, and it was like, can't, can't, <laughs> can't do it. Yep. But, you know, you and I have had an opportunity over our years on sports radio to watch a, a Boozer Williams run. We've watched the Donovan Mitchell-Gobert run. We've watched teams build and teams crumble. And that's all we're watching right now. Yep. They want to put something else together. And they see. Look, like, you, you watch, man. I, I know with all this trade goes down. That Delta Center is going to be jam-packed. Yep. Those fans are still going to be hungry all the way to the bitter end. They're gonna be better, they're gonna be just bloodthirsty and hungry, and I'm just hoping that sometime soon, all of this pays off for them. Yes. Because I don't know if there's a more loyal fan base.
1: Not really. All right, Hans and Scotty, we're live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray. Rich is with us. It's February. Love is in the air, Rich.
3: Love is in the air, and we got a love fest going on here.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. We want people to fall in love with their vehicle, and there's a few ways that happens. Number one, it's a great vehicle. Number two, it's a vehicle they can afford. And number three, it's a vehicle they know is going to be on the road for a long time. Well, you can check all three of those boxes down here.
3: Constantly, every day, and we do it every day. And right now we have some spectacular financial programs going on. They've just gotten better every month as we pull away from the COVID and all that situation went down. Uh, And now with tax season hitting us, boy, if you're getting a tax return, why don't you keep some of it? Use a little bit for the money down, if you like. And use that money to go on a trip with your new car. (laughs) Because a lot of our clients do. That's what they like to do. And I just have a beautiful selection, 250 used. I have uh, over 150 new here. So we have a beautiful inventory to select from. And Nissan makes the best cars on the planet, pound for pound, dollar for dollar. There is no better value in the marketplace for a car that you like. It's been so nice to watch dealerships be able to
2: restock and get the inventory in so people can come in and go up and down the lot and say, I like that color, but I like that style. Do you have that color in this style? Yes, we do. We got that color. Oh, do you want to throw on some tinted windows? Do you want to throw on a couple of new tires? What do, what do you
3: want to do here? Don't forget the gold package. Yeah. Yeah, the old gold package. Of course, we don't do many of those anymore, but uh, we do modify the cars, uh, uh, make them so sort they're of unique for you and for your family. And make them special so that uh, it's a, you know, a car's a member of your family. Yeah. It is. You know, we all spend money on our cars. We know.
1: Well, you know, and when a member of your family gets sick, you take them to a doctor. (laughs) When your car gets beat up a little bit or needs some repairs, you bring it in here and you've got a forever warranty you're handing out to everybody.
3: You know, isn't that the beautiful thing? You can get, a lot of people buy a new car just to get the warranty from the manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that I could save you maybe $10,000, get you a nice used car, That's got a lifetime powertrain warranty. How about that? You can't even get that from the manufacturer, but we offer it. And we do put it on our new cars, and we do put it on our used cars. And even if it's not my brand, maybe I got a Toyota here that you like. That's fine. Buy it. We'll put that warranty Mm -hmm. on there for you. That is security. That's comfort level. That's unmatched in the industry in
1: Utah. It really is. You got to come down here. Tim Daly, Nissan, and Murray, Rich and his crew. Sharing the love with you. It's a February love fest. They want to get you into these vehicles. Let's get you down here. They're great dudes. They're going to work with you every step of the way and uh, get you in a vehicle that you're proud to drive and you love to drive right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. <laughs>
0: This is, this is DJ and PK. OKC okay, so got him last time at Delta Center. That's a poll question for another day. The Delta Center or Delta Center? What do they want? They've asked me to drop the the, so I'm going to. Because? Nobody asked me. They don't care what
3: I think. I just like that it bugs you.
0: OK. <laughs> I was talking to a guy I work with. He said, I was up early driving somewhere. I had you guys on. PK was cracking me up. He's giving you such a hard time. But I agree <laughs> with you. It's the Delta Center.
3: But it was still <laughs> hilarious.
0: I love that you've thought about it. Well, I have to. You keep bringing it up. I don't give a crap what they
3: call it. (laughs) It makes no difference to me. I care about what goes on the floor during the game.
0: Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Zone. This is your Jazz at 30 update on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball, 97.5, the KSL Sports Summit.
1: Well, one day after Simone Fontecchio was sent packing, the Jazz have now sent Kelly Olynyk and uh, and Abaje to Toronto in exchange for Otto Porter Jr., Kyra Lewis, and a 2024 first-round pick. That first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN. The Jazz, that pick, will be the least favorable of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Los Angeles Clipper, and Houston Rocket pick. So the Jazz pick up. A 2024 first-round pick, as well as that 2024 second-round pick from the uh, from the trade yesterday. So that is your Jazz at 30 update right here on 97.5, the KSL Sp- Sports Zone. You're locked on to Hans
0: Solson and Scotty Chin, chin, chin. That's right. hey! on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
1: Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's a big jazz day today. By the way, we had great conversations yesterday with Kalani Satake as well as Blake Anderson. If you're looking for a little college football fix, uh, just head to the old podcast page. You can find it on kslsports.com or just go to whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Search Hans and Scotty and you can get all those conversations from yesterday. But the Jazz hands Willen and dealing, uh multiple reports now that the Jazz will not be trading Jordan Clarkson. He will be back on the roster for the uh, for the remainder of the season. And uh, so if you're worried about Jordan leaving, uh, he's not going anywhere. So there you go. At least for all you Clarkson fans out there, you're going to be all right. It's going to be OK.
2: Well, I'm not as worried about Jordan Clarkson being on the roster as them not being able to move Taylor Horton Tucker maybe. But I just don't think there's a market out
1: there. I, I just don't think there's a lot of people banging the doors for THT.
2: No, because i got to imagine that the Jazz have dangled him out there a few times in, in an effort to get anything for him. Were you surprised that a first-round pick came back for Kelly Lenick?
1: Uh no, actually, I was a little underwhelmed with the trade. Honestly, the fact that they needed to get uh, that they had to throw baji into the mix to get that first-round pick. I think I I would have assumed that he would have been good for a late first-round pick on his own. But to sweeten the deal, you have to throw in baji. But you know, you look across the league, a lot not a lot of first-round picks being thrown out right now. No, so I you know, people are tightening the uh, the belts a little bit in terms of wheeling and dealing in regards to first-round picks. So. You know, I guess with that being said, it's good that they got the first round pick. I'm a little underwhelmed with the pick, but considering the market, maybe that's probably the best. And that's probably why he's on his way to Toronto, is that it's, or not Toronto, you know, or that's, you know, that's probably why they were able to get the deal done, is that they were the only team that came with the first round pick.
2: It is a later first round pick, but it's still kind of in the area that I would have expected. Yeah. To a certain degree. Just you're not seeing first-round picks moved.
1: Yes. You know, and and it's always tough to bite the bullet on a player that you drafted high in a Baji, and you're just like, all right, it's not working. But then again, it goes back to what you said, to making tough decisions and saying, look, you know, I had, I had a boss tell me once, he's like, is this guy going to be good in the business? And I'm like, well, no, but he's a good worker. He does good work. You know, but is he going to be a... Is he going to be great for us? I'm like, no. Does he have a future? No. All right, then cut him loose. I'm like, well, jeez, man. It's a tough way to look at things. He's like, well, no, you're doing him a favor. And that's a pretty cold-blooded Machiavellian way of looking at things. But maybe the Jazz are like, look, you know what? We swung. We did everything we could. It isn't working out, so let's just move on. Let's not try to keep making a square peg fit through a round hole. Did you have a sense that Ochai –
2: Agbaji would have a real future in this league. I guess that's the question you know, I ask myself.
1: Maybe had, you know, maybe he develops into a nice rotation player. But at some point, you're like, yeah, you know what? It's not working. And if you got Toronto saying, you know what? We'll do this if you throw him in the mix. And you're like, all right, here we go. Let's do it.
2: The the tough thing for me is just looking at the timing of when Ochai has come through this organization, and, and the same with Kelly Linick, because if the timing was right and you had the right pieces those are perfect pieces to have around a team that's about to make a run
1: yes but
2: yep. this is not the right time
1: and this for is, those pieces and that's not the team and it's not the team
2: so i can understand i can understand that to a large well, degree well
1: and then also know that Olenek's are rest- unrestricted free agent at the end of the year and you know and i don't know this per se, but, you know, maybe there was a conversation where, like, hey, look, you know what? I'm not going to come back here. If you want to get something for me, you know, hit me up and uh, send me somewhere. You know, those conversations with agents go on all the time. Like, you know, you start laying the groundwork. Like, look, we like what your player brings. We know he's an unrestricted free agent. What are the kind of terms so we can have something together for you when that time comes? And the agent's like, he really wants to test the market. He really wants to see what else is out there. We'll give you guys a we'll give you guys every opportunity, but just know that he's going to want to see what else is out there. And so when you get you hear those words in your mind, you're thinking, "Okay, he's gone." Mm-hmm. So, look, if we can flip him and Abaji, a first-round pick, that's not working for us for a, for another first-round pick, then
2: let's go. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of some of these guys that have to now finish out this season. And they're doing it without Simone Fantacchio, and They're doing it without Kelly Linnick and Ochai And You get look at guys like Sexton and, and, as you mentioned, Jordan Clarkson. Maybe even look at the rookies, Keontae, George, Hendricks, who's probably going to take more of a role. And i got to imagine that it affects Jordan Clarkson mentally more than others because Jordan's got to begin to that point in his career like, where he's thinking – I got to make a move, or it's just not going to happen. Yes, at some point, I need to be with a team that is going to be able to make a push. And I don't know if the Jazz sit there and sell it to him, saying, "Hey, we're going to surround you," or sell it to Sexton, "Hey, we're going to surround you," or sell it to Lowry, "Hey, we're going to put we're going to put a crew around you, and your time is coming." You know, I've got to imagine that they sell that to them to a large degree. And those guys have to settle in on their patience, right? Oh, yeah. Because how do you keep Larry Markinan happy? How do you keep Jordan Clarkson happy when all they've seen
1: is selling, 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 well, yeah. and drafting? Well, I, I anticipate that you make him happy by making him a max player in the offseason. You know, Markinan's going to make $18 million next year. He's making seventeen this year. That is a steal for Larry Markinan. An absolute steal. And uh, and by all accounts, and the people that I've talked to close to the organization say Markinen's happy here in Utah, and I'm sure Utah will reward him with a very handsome extension here very soon. And that's how you'd make him happy is you hit him in the pocketbook. Uh, but you're right. Like, I, I can totally understand where if you're some of these other guys and you're like, okay, well, this is tough to swallow. I want to I make a run at this thing. We feel like we got this thing going. We just had two big wins. We beat Oklahoma City at home. We just beat Milwaukee at home, and we're, yet we're 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 gonna tear up some key players from that team.
2: And those wins took Simone and Kelly Linick.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Those wins were very important. Or, well, those two players were very very important to very those vital to wins. those wins. Yes. So, it's just a totally different look and feel. Of what we're going to see over the last half of the season yeah. after this deadline, but I am excited to see these rookies. I don't know. Well, that's it's, what you take
1: away from. It's like, all right, Taylor, it's your time to shine. Yeah. What do, do you we, got? Do we see Sensabaugh come up? I'd be surprised on that one. I don't think so. I think he's. I think he, you keep him in the G League. That would be my guess. Hey, make sure to join us. We'll be hanging out coming up on Monday from noon to three at Man Hands. Doesn't get much better than this. Jimmy's Flowers, twenty-eight forty Hillfield Road. When it comes to Valentine's Day, think flowers, and when you think flowers, of course, then you think Jimmy's Flowers. Best in the business. Those guys do such a great job.
2: We'll be up north a couple days in a row.
1: Yeah, yeah. We are uh, Miki Couture coming up on are uh, coming up tomorrow. Yep. All right, Hands and Scotty. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is, this is DJ and PK.
0: Jason Cole, senior writer from 33rdteam.com. How much do you get caught up in legacy? Legacy does mean a lot. You start to talk about what differentiates guys, why guys go in the Hall of Fame. This is the reason. This is why you say, okay, where does Andy
2: Reid start to rank among the all-time coaches? Does he go from somewhere in the top 10 to does he start to sneak up into the top five? Patrick Mahomes, are we talking about he's in the top 10 or does he start sneaking up there with guys Like Brady and Montana, and you know, Manning, and all those guys. Mahomes, just based on what he's done so far, is probably a Hall of Famer. Reed is a Hall of Famer. But now we're talking about a different level of it.
0: Catch DJ and PK, mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Chevrolet, proudly serving Utah since 1926. On 97.5, the KSL Sports
3: Zone.
1: eyes are cold and restless as almost Ill. hans Olsen, scott gerard 97 5 the ksl sports zone we got the jazz preview show coming up here in just a moment but boy I tell you what big event coming up it's the pbr unleash the beast coming up at the delta center best athletes on the planet hands bull riders yeah no doubt about it.
2: Toughest for sure.
1: Yeah. Keyshawn Whitehorse hanging out with us. Uh, one of the riders that you will see coming up in the Delta Center. Keyshawn, how are you? Hey,
2: Keyshawn.
4: Hi. I'm doing wonderful, guys. You guys doing good? Yeah,
1: we're doing great. Doing great. All right. So d- does one have to – I mean, and I say this in the nicest way possible, but to hop on one of those bulls, y- you got to have a bit of a screw loose, right? I mean, like it, that, is, that is as impressive as an athletic feat as anybody – could possibly do what goes through your mind when you're up on that thing
4: man not much Uh, I just try to keep my mind pretty clear Uh, I don't feel like I have a screw loose I feel like I got everything gathered up but uh, the main thing is just uh, you know having a clear mind because if you don't have a clear mind uh, your reaction timing won't be as well so you got to make sure your mind's clear so you're not thinking about too much I mean there's times where you know I've written and I'm thinking about what's for dinner or if I'm going to watch a movie or a new movie that came out. But, uh, you know, usually when that thing kind of happens, that means it's, you know, kind of coming too easy to you and you got to start, you know, still be aggressive. Sean, where does
2: that love and passion start for bull riding?
4: Uh, I think it was just something that was born within me. Uh, when I was a kid, I saw it on TV. Um, my family doesn't have a huge rodeo background so oh, it's not like I grew up watching my dad or uncles or anything like that or brothers uh, ride bulls. So I saw it on TV, and I like I believe uh I think the main thing is is I was born in Salt Lake City at the University there in Utah uh, during the days of 47 Rodeo. So I think you oh, know okay. God said you know hey you know this is, this is <laughs> what you're gonna do. So uh, how
1: did you, you know, your family didn't have a background in it. Uh, did you grow up in Salt Lake, or did you guys move away? Or, and how did you ultimately get involved in it?
4: Uh, so I was raised down in the Four Corners region on the Navajo Reservation, just south of Blanding, Utah there, uh, north of Montezuma Creek, uh, Utah. Uh, so on Navajo Reservation, there's uh, a lot of rodeos going on, you know, with a Native American community all across the country, western lifestyle is huge. So I kind of started off from there. I went to Ignacio, Colorado. I went to a rodeo school when I was a little kid, got on some calves. Uh, You know, went down to Texas and kind of got on some more calves and steers. We traveled around a lot. Uh, It was one of those deals where I really pursued it. Uh, At the beginning, it was more of a deal like my parents thought, like, oh, he's just going to do it and then not want to, you know, maybe play football or something. Uh, But as I got older and started training more, you know, hopping on steers and a little bit bigger animals. Realize the, the ability that I had, the talent that I had, and just grew. And when you realize you're good at something, it only makes you more hungry to become even better.
2: We really want to get people out there this weekend at the Delta Center. It's going to be a major event. Do you hear, like when the crowds are in there and, and they're up on their feet, can you really hear it as you're throwing the rope over the hand and starting to slap in and get yourself settled in for a ride? Can you hear that that energy around you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a big thing. Uh, like every arena that I've gone to, the crowd's a little exceptionally louder. You know, it, it does really send chills down your back. And it's one of those deals like you're really clocked in. Like your adrenaline goes up higher. And I'm not an adrenaline junkie kind of guy, even though, like, I do I like like extreme sports. I mean, you know, it doesn't get too much more adrenaline than that. So, But the thing is, is that you've been doing it so long. You get used to it, but when that crowd really hypes you up and that crowd really gets going, there's something about it that wants you to just try even harder to get a little bit more aggressive to bring the fight and really showcase your skills. And, you know, it's not so much just to show off. It's more so, like, to be able to accomplish such a feat of a certain bull or anything like that and have that support there. And when that support has your back. It's just amazing. It's no better feeling than that. So when you, um, you know, because here's the thing, everybody,
1: you know, they want to see the, the Cowboys and they want to see the riders, but they also want to see the bulls. I mean, the bulls are as big of an attraction as you guys are in this thing. And what, what, what kind of lineup are we seeing and what kind of uh, who, you know, what are some of these bulls you're going to be facing off against? Cause it sounds like they're bringing the best of the best.
4: Oh, absolutely. TBR does a great job at bringing the best bulls around the world uh, to these events and venues. So you'll see a lot of top bulls there, especially in the championship round, which will be the top 12, the top 15, I believe. And those bulls are the best of the best. Those are some of the bulls. Some of them are in the hunt for world champion bucking bull of the year, you know, or bull of the year. And, you know, there's top prizes for them as well. They've built characters around them. They're characteristic type of animals. You know, some are really mean. Some are really chill. You can pet them, you know, and some are just you know, buck really hard, and then they go back and, you know, just hang out versus some kind of still have that fire, like kind of a son of some of us guys have after we ride that adrenaline, up. And it takes a little while to cool off. So the, the bulls here, not only are they big and strong, but a lot of times also they're very smart. That's what kind of separates them from some of the bulls around the country and around the world for that to say, because they have a really good mind on them sometimes they have trips that are known to you know throw guys off so they'll still stick with it and once guys start figuring that trip out they'll switch something else up. so they're really wow. smart bulls and you know they're they're bred the buck and they learn a lot as they go they know the program and they're just as as competitive as we are i believe and you know a lot of these bull owners take good care of them and they train them and they're in shape that's for sure they these they you know grandpa's old feet Speed bull out there. Oh, herd bull out there in the pasture. (laughs) Well, you can
1: get your tickets at DeltaCenter.com, PBR.com. You can also go to the Delta Center box office uh, tomorrow at 745, then Saturday at 645. That's when things get going. But we appreciate you hanging out with us today. Good luck, man. Stay safe and uh, get after it. Bring home a title, all right?
4: Thank you. I'll try to keep that title
1: in the state of Utah. I love it. There you go. That's a fun conversation, man. These dudes – I'm telling you, if you've not seen it, especially up close and in person, uh, you, you just have no appreciation for the amount of work and the agility and the uh, strength that these guys bring to the table. Well, the
2: guts, man, the, just the deep gravel in the guts. Uh, I I think it's the toughest, and I, I know you, you were mentioning kind of the mentality, and I don't think he was understanding what you were trying to say.
1: It, yeah. It's and I t- apologize if that didn't come across. I mean, it's just like well, you, no, that's you,
2: but that's not what it is
1: though. You, you have to be wired. You have to be wired differently to get y- on that ball. Y- you really do. Yeah.
2: Y- you're not going to find 99 percent, 99.9 percent of the population has no intention. No. No interest.
1: Like I okay, and I and I'm not blowing smoke here. You are one of the toughest dudes I've ever met and been around. Like, dude, your strength, your competitiveness. Like, like I've seen you get backed into a corner. And it ain't pretty. Like you, you come out, you know, you, you don't like it, yeah. and you're gonna exert your influence. And yet, with all that being said, I don't see you having any desire to climb Never. up on a bull.
2: Never, no interest, none. I, I, I could, I'll, I'll wrestle with pretty much anybody. I, I'll, I'll scrap with pretty much anybody.
1: I mean, I saw you but, eyeing up Rulon Gardner, being like, "All right, you want to go? We'll and go." I, and I've
2: locked up with him, and it it did go as well. It's it's almost like riding a bull, but. <laughs> You and I grew up a, around livestock like this, and as he mentioned, these are trained beasts. Yeah, and they are the greatest athletes in the world. The bulls, those bulls are the—they're the most powerful, most insanely intense athletes in the world, and they know what's going on. Yeah, they know as soon as that thing cinches up around their midsection, and and they feel the weight of that body on their back. As soon as that gate opens, it's go time. Yeah. And that is high-level energy, high-level excitement. I know it's not for everybody. It's always been for me. I've always loved bull riding. I've always loved rodeo. And uh,
1: the PBR is the top of the top. Oh, yeah. No, this is the NFL.
2: And it was fun to have an opportunity to catch up with an individual that was born here in the state of Utah, raised close, moved around, and had to build and find his love for
1: rodeo. Keyshawn Whitehorse, one of many others that are involved, and in it should be a fun event coming up tomorrow and Saturday. Getting those tickets at the Delta Center box office at deltacenter.com or PBR.com. All right, Rich is hanging out with us. We're live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray, 4528 South State Street. Rich, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got issues. Everybody has something going on in their life, but yet everybody needs a vehicle. And you're able to help out a lot of people that are dealing with some stuff to make sure that they're in a vehicle that they can afford to drive and then they have the peace of mind. No one's going to be on the road for a long time.
3: Yeah, uh, thank you uh, for mentioning that. We do have a lot of folks that uh, uh, they're challenged uh, and they have to have a car, and we know that. And so we've, we've spent the time over the last years to develop relationships with banks that will help these folks and do it in a reasonable level of... Uh, of a, um, of a deal, yeah. Where it, where it makes the customer feel good, yeah. You know, as far as the cars go, jeez, all my cars are nice, yeah. All of them. I mean, we put them through the shop, uh, even the less expensive models. They go through the shop, so that the bank is happy with the way they drive and they look and they're willing to finance the car. And then uh, for our clients that uh, are, are challenged, we're the Marine Corps, okay? Ooh, we're, ah. the, we're the tough guys. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna climb that hill for you. And uh, you just follow us up to the top because that's where the winners go.
1: Yeah. Right to the top. That's how we roll. Well, there's so many great things going on. And some of these new vehicles, you still have 0% on some of these models too, right?
3: It's amazing. You know, as the interest rates have risen over time, and uh, uh, you can come in here and knock off five or six points off of what would be a normal interest financing rate and get 0%. A lot of my cars are 1.9, some are 2.9. And they're they uh, that saves you hundreds of dollars a month, you know, depending yeah. on where you're at. So, and for a lot of our folks, you know, they'll look at a used car and they'll say, "Well, uh, I can get this kind of interest rate on a used car, but gee, on a new one, can I go that low, so zero or one point nine? Would well, gee, would that make the payment about the same on a new car as a used car?" And I'm happy to grin, yeah, and smile and say, "Yeah, yes, you sir. hit the nail on the head. Why don't you get the new one then?" And, of course, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. And we do it all the time.
1: 4528 South State Street, so many great things going on right now. they got the forever warranty, special APR, bonus cash, loyalty cash, you name it. And, again, great interest rates on these new vehicles, some as low as 0%. It's all right here on 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone.